Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs. Happy Friday, unless you're not wearing a mask, in which case, go fuck yourself. Yeah, I'm getting that one out of the way quickly. Ah. I've, wow. I've been a very angry man this week. Very, very angry indeed. Although, there's nothing to be angry about about today's podcast and what we'll oh. be discussing. <laughs> relax. No. Relax. No. Relax. I, I thought I've got you were many... going to say that, like, full stop. Like, there's nothing to be angry about. It's just going to be like, What? <laughs> no, 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 just not about this particular uh, show that we're going to be discussing today, but I'd right. also like to very much welcome you to our inaugural episode of Desho the Third, the name that we totally didn't come up with because we got, you know, <laughs> cold cocked by a different podcast entirely. <laughs> Apologies to the Third Impact podcast. Oh, uh, we should have called it Rule of Freeze or something, I don't fucking know. Rule of Freeze late is now. We're committed at this point, but yes, uh, this is the very first time we're doing this particular podcast format, which is basically just a Control-C, Control-V of second stream, just for people who are paying us a little more money, and with slightly different like criteria for what gets put for the shortlist. It's for uh, the that's el- really about it. For the, the special few out there. It's for people who have an appreciation of higher culture, which is appropriate mm-hmm. given today's subject matter. It is the week of, like, niche... Uh, sort of elevated Japanese rigid, art forms. In, rigid, inflexible, <laughs> inflexible Japanese culture. There you go. It's so great. I love that we did Barakamon and our first Rakugo show in the same week. It's a what, tremendous coincidence. It's all gone really well, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, yes, I, this is a beer stream. I apologize. So uh, I'm just putting that out there right now. Uh, but anyway, yes, welcome to Desho Third. I'm Shane, and joining me, of course, uh, from across the palm of Close Mart is the Soul Doctor. I don't know if Hello. it's actually in that direction for people watching on the live stream. It might potentially be this way or that way. I'm not uh, sure. Who owns a compass? Everyone, because everyone has phones. But who could be bothered well, to look at the compass they own? No one. Well, to be fair, given the state of the world right now, everything's going south as is, so who the fuck cares? <laughs> it's true. Yes. Yes. Um, the world has become <sighs> unmoored from its axis. Um, mm-hmm. But fam, I hope everybody out there uh, is doing well. We love all you ladies, gentlemen, and NBs that, like, come and support us on the patron-only live stream. And we, hey, like, once this comes free to air, you know, hopefully it'll, you know, get some VOD views. And you out there who is, you know, watching this for free, we also love you too. No judgment here. We're we're cool with any kind of engagement that we get. So thanks, everybody, for watching. 100%. I'm super pumped to do this. I'm pumped that uh, a not currently airing slash not new show. I mean, BNA isn't currently airing in the strictest definition of the word, mm-hmm. but it is a new show that just came out. I'm really happy we get to do an older show. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, look, this is a, a classic Um and as much as I'm going to big it up, like, I'm a giant hypocrite because I haven't watched season two. Which mm-hmm. just goes to show you, like, my media consumption is, like, so very much, like, when I'm in it, I'm in it. It's great. I love it. And then when I moved on from something, I moved the fuck on most of the time. And then I just didn't circle back because I'm a moron. Um, but, look, Rakugo is incredible. We're going to be talking about all the ways in which it's incredible. Oh, you mean Kabuto Sherlock? That's got Rakugo in it. That's what you're referring to, right? Oh my god, I forgot that fucking hat. God damn it. Fuck, I forgot that had Rakugo in it, you bastard. I've been sitting on that. the sacred art form. 
I have been sitting on that ever since we started, like, you know, getting ready to cover this show. Man. Just waiting to drop it on you. And, yeah, the the, the sheer unadulterated agony in your eyes right now is just chef's kiss. Uh, so, no, we're not covering uh, Kabuto Show Show. We're actually covering uh, no. Showa Genroko Rakko Shinjo, which I think I got right. Um, I yeah. probably completely butchered it, but I think I might have it. So, kudos to me for that. Uh, a <laughs> we'll, show that we'll, people... <laughs> we'll butcher it. Uh a lot, I'm. I'm sure. I. I can't do it either. But that won't uh, stop me fine. from trying. <laughs> okay, we'll so, give it a go. Yeah. Yolo. Why not? Fuck it. It's Friday. Who cares? Uh, but this is a show like that has been on my radar for a very long time. It's something that's been recommended to me pretty much once a month. Like ever since like I first got into this business of doing uh, Z-list anime podcasting. So. I'm finally very glad to be around to doing it. And I want to give a quick shout out to one of our patrons, uh, Dana, uh, boss Dana, I believe it is, mm-hmm. uh, who actually requested this for the uh, request slide, but we've actually bumped up to this particular podcast format to give it the full treatment, uh, which I think is probably a wise move given that this show is dense in a great, in a good way, a very yeah. good way. Yeah. There is a substantial amount to talk about already. Dense, in just uh, these dense like, um, oh, I'm sorry. Fuck. I got to get my timing right. I've got to synchronize with you more. I was just going to make a dumb joke and say dense like cheesecake, not dense like, you know, smog. The good dense. <laughs> dense like someone you know that you don't really tolerate very much. That one person you work with, who no matter how many times you tell them to do something, they just don't do it right. Senta dense is greater than decadence. Oh, oh, God. I went there. <laughs> You, you you did go there, and we're not going back from there now. That's it. You've you've done it. Uh-huh. All right. So if you're new to uh, well, if you're new to this podcast, then this particular series that we're doing, our sub series, is definitely something you're new to because we've never done it before. So uh, by default, you're new to this, and therefore, how do we handle this? And basically, if you've ever watched or listened to any of our second stream podcasts, we're doing the same thing here, which is we're going to skip like substantial like plot like riffs and like recaps and whatnot and just go straight to talking about like the actual content of the show in terms of like meaning and such and getting some talking points going but we will provide context where appropriate so similar kind of thing as before and we Um, also have patron questions we do indeed those glorious five dollar tier patrons who submitted questions uh to us about this show and if you'd like to get in on that action uh you viewer who is watching us much later mm-hmm. head on over to patreon.com slash warui desho and subscribe to the viking experience tier for five dollars a month five measly dollars you too can participate in the rakugo shinjo shinju i'm always going to do shinjo that's where i fuck it up but the rakugo rakugo shinji. discussion um, rakugo shinji though like you know that's the other thing you guys put for me <laughs> Rack them up, Shinji. That's what we'll call this show. <laughs> Do the Rakyo, Shinji. <laughs> Do the Rakugo. Um, yeah. So, yep, j- join in the fun. Um, if you subscribe uh, over on Patreon, you can. If not, that's also cool. Um, just hit us up in the comments section, you know, later on, and we'll get back to you then. But uh, strap in for some... Uh, I was going to say like a one-man show, one-man storytelling, but it can't be. So it's by default something different. A double Rakugo, a Baikugo, Raku 2. Raku I don't know. that's what we are. 
with the Rakagoons. There you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. You know, they said Rakugo, I said Raku don't. You know, all that kind of stuff. The jokes, which we're getting them out of a system now. It's like... <laughs> Story it's like preparing, idiots. you know. We're, we're just, just, yeah, exactly. We're just, we're just getting this word association shit out of the way. Yeah. So, okay, Patre- <laughs> pa- Patreon questions. Uh, let's go to those. So, oh, hey, um, before before we do that, do you, um, do you mind if should we talk about uh, the the creative people, the folks oh, who, yes. who made the show? Okay. Um, well, for anybody who doesn't know who's jumping into this, um, n- not watching the show, first of all, why? Second of all, um, so this show is like kind of a um, how to put this because if I say odd duck, that has sort of negative, <clears throat> excuse me, connotations. Well, it's not Surrey Tamas, so it's definitely I, not an odd duck. I think it's just well, it's it, not got an odd duck in it. Well, it's just sort of <laughs> it's just sort of unique in the anime space. I find not because it's about um, a sort of niche. Uh, natively Japanese form of high art. But um it just reminds me of like a prestige TV show, like a, a period piece. I don't oh, know, yeah, something yeah. something you might find on like public television. Very sort of like coming up after downtown Abbey, descending stories, Rakugo Shinju, you know, like that sort of thing. Um this is a very high quality production in terms of the writing and the cinematography and characterization um but it didn't come from nowhere nothing materializes out of the ether people are you wait it. are you meaning are you meaning to tell me that someone didn't literally burst into the studio's offices and start yelling for them to animate some rakugo and so i kept doing it until you know they actually finally allowed it to happen uh that is not in fact what happened i'm sorry oh to- god I've ruined the fantasy. No, but people worked hard on this. Um, And before they worked hard on animating it, it was a manga. Yes. What a surprise. That's true. Uh, This was a manga by uh, Kumoto Haruko that ran uh, from 2010, March, to June 2016. So... Basically, as this first season of the anime, either right before it started, I can't remember which season it aired, but anyway, right around the time it became a thing, the manga was wrapping up and or had just ended. And it got published in uh, a a book called Itan, which is like I couldn't find information on that listed all the demographics, but... I believe it's a Jose publication, if not in whole, then in part. And the Jose stuff is stuff targeting uh, older women. So, like, uh, when I say older, I mean older than, like, teenage. Like, I think, you know, probably young women would have been the right thing to say there rather than older women. Recover, Doc, recover, recover. You got this. You got targeting. this. Back on your feet, lad. Oh, it's I can't. It's I'm too deep. But uh but Jose stuff, like I, I find that it's actually like compared to like Shonen, Shoujo, or even like Seinen stuff, um that gets adapted. I, I feel like this is just an eye test thing, I don't have any data, but what comes across my radar, like Jose is like the rarest stuff that we get. I mean, there's some high profile stuff that's been made, but it, I don't recall, like, you know, 
It's not like, ah, churning out the Jose as usual this season or anything like that. But in 2016, um, you know, it became, oh, I should, uh, I should mention too, that the mangaka for this, uh, also made the great passage manga. Uh, I think that's true. I'm seeing conflicting reports. Um, I th- okay, so he it looks like that that the creator of the mangaka made the art, um, but not he wasn't the writer, uh, but also like ha- did the character design as well for the Great Passage anime, which I think is out of anime jail at this point from from Amazon. Um, I'm well, not exactly great passage, sure. It's a great title for an anime in both how it escapes from anime jail exactly it's it wasn't it funny something called the great passage was locked behind a paywall for quite some time a double paywall um but that was kumota but in 2016 uh the anime got made um 2016 shadon what a year for anime i feel like an underratedly fantastic year because well, I was gonna say all, all years in hindsight now are fantastic relative to this one. <laughs> <laughs> um that's fair. That's fair. Uh but particularly when it comes to making anime, uh Studio Dean made Rakugo Shinju this year. But you know what also came out in 2016? The first season of Mob Psycho 100 mm-hmm. uh Erased was a winter show Ooh. that year. Um uh, Cabaneri of the Iron Fortress, uh, a little, you know, underseen show no one ever talks about called Yuri on Ice, um, uh, a show that is highly problematic, but very, very popular. Um, and now, I, why can I not think of the name of it? Why is it mm. Ray Zero? Pro- Ray Zero. Oh, man. Um, so, like, just... 2016, I feel like just a lot of really, really interesting stuff came out. A lot of good stuff. It was a very good year for anime. There's other high-profile shows that I'm just not thinking about. I, I think the at least one Kisei Monogatari, uh, Kizu Monogatari, rather, movie came out. Maybe well, one two. of those things, one of them. Somewhere. Yeah, uh, well, a, um, a really pretty Monogatari movie came out that year. So, no, it was a pretty, really good pr- year A pretty for Monogatari anime. thing? Like, my God, no. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, you're right. 2016 was basically the uh, 982. Uh, um, for, we basically, 982 was great for film. 2016 was great for anime. There you go. I mean, there are other really good years. Like, you could talk about 2004, 2007. Um It'd be interesting to compare the years and and sort of line them up and see which. Oh, one let's not let's not go let's not go into two thousand and nine. No, okay, we don't have to go to two thousand nine. I've got what? bad memories from two thousand nine in many respects. I wasn't you know especially watching stuff made that year. Like I thought I'd escaped. I thought I'd escaped the horror of two thousand nine. It just keeps coming back for me. Well, we will we will not let it. We will not let it come back for you now. Instead, we will pivot. We'll pivot to talking about. The director of Rakugo Shinju, um, Mamoru uh, Hatakeyama. And it looks like, though, that Hatakeyama is a pseudonym. Um, according to the ANN record, The when I click on the record for uh, Hatakeyama, 
I get sent to a Shinichi uh, Omata record and see an AKA Mamoru mm. uh, Hatekeyama. So, yeah, very interesting. Like, we had this come up with uh, Pierre Segura uh, for Bakemonogatari. So, but no, the um, the director here of the show has got productions under both names. Um, I think the stuff he's done under Hatakayama is the stuff that like sticks out to me more because it looks like most, if not all, of his directorial credits come uh, under the name Hatakayama. You know, that's where the Rakugo Shinju stuff is from. Um, let's see. He directed uh, both seasons of Kaguya-sama, Love is War, which is a show people really like, uh, mm-hmm. a recent uh, rom-com that I have not seen. Um, he directed a season of Rosen Maiden as well, which is like a weird, obscure, like, <laughs> I think it's obscure anyway, show where like like doll, porcelain dolls like came to life and fought each other. It's it's cool. Oh, it's uh, cool. I promise. Uh, <laughs> high stakes Toy Story, then basically. Yes, pretty much. So, 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 sudden death Toy Story for that matter. The early two thousands had a few of those shows. Like this is uh, Clamp's Angelic Lair was also that sort of show where you you bought an action figure. They're sort of taking like a Pokemon type deal where you bought an action figure, you dressed it up, you named it, and then you got to fight other people's cool action figures. Uh, you know, Gundam Bill Fighters is sort of the, a similar deal. Um, the only other directorial credit is something called Campus, but that was under, uh, Shinichi Omata. So that is the director, uh, the writer, uh, June Kumagai, Kumagai, uh, has written, let's see, oh, Hamatora, the series composition for Hamatora, um, this is like not anything anybody cares about Hamatora, <laughs> but like it's like a kind of a like. Oh, if we if we, if we just had like a Hamatora fan in the audience there, <laughs> you've just permanently upset. Well, me I now. also like Hamatora. It's like this like sneakily pretty decent uh, superhero like X Men style show um, that I thought was really neat. Uh, we got scripts though for Terror and Resonance, which we've talked about on here before. Uh, of course, Rockago. Persona 3 and those films um, did a lot of the writing there. Persona 4 Golden, the animation, was the series composer oh. for that. So uh, kudos to that guy. He like helped adapt one of your favorite adaptations. Um, wrote the scripts for Psychopaths 2, which is uh, out. I know that's not a very... So, uh, I'm, I'm, I was going to say, like, given the quality of the material we're going to be dealing with here, like none of this matches up. No. <laughs> I know, like, I know no, it's true. None, none, of it, none of it's like out and out really <laughs> There's dreadful. not like a, like a logical path, right? Like, uh, yeah. you know, ah, oh, like you worked on um, Barakamon, so of course you'd worked on Rakugo. You know, think? Worked on but Persona I mean, we've 4. Got, <laughs> yeah, we've got like some mediocre shit and then uh, actual shit in the form of Psychopaths 2, appropriately enough. The number two. <laughs> Ooh, Aquarion Logos. Um, that's a season of Aquarion I haven't seen. I've seen the, the other two. That's sort of Shoji Kawamori's and Satellite's, like, just really off-the-rails, batshit uh, super robot show that uh, mm. I enjoy. But I haven't seen the Logos season. But uh, our writer here was the series composer for that. Um, and then the last thing I just wanted to shout out, 
there's a lot of really talented people that are involved with this show. But I want to just take a second to talk about, and we only get to see her for like just a teensy beansy millisecond in these first three episodes. But Miyokichi, her voice actor, is perhaps the GOAT. Voice acting royalty, Megumi Hayashibara. Amazing pop song singer as well. Shadana, I'm going to paste the link to her CV, her Anime News Network CV in chat. And I want you to click on it and I want you to scroll through it. Because most of the time when you look at these CVs, it's like maybe one or two scrolls. Okay, Let me know when you're done scrolling go. down. Well, the non-anime rules list is already ridiculous. <laughs> it's already bigger than most people's anime credits. Good grief. She's the uh, queen, man. For like three decades plus, she's been killing it. She's getting great roles. She's, in, she's into collecting telephone cards, apparently. I don't know why a lot of the... what. Oh my god, some of these figures here. I'm just like, this is way too much info about one person, to be quite honest. <laughs> uh, let's see. Staff in, blah, blah. Oh, good god. Uh, cast in. Does so this woman know much. what Sundays are? <laughs> so much stuff. Um, oh my god. Yeah, she played like a key part in the Pokemon shows from the beginning uh i will always know her as lena inverse from the slayers the main character of the slayers that's where i first encountered miss hayashibara and fell in love with her work but she's done all kinds of like incredibly iconic work throughout the 90s 2000s you know even into you know modern stuff like rakugo shinju at 50 plus she's still killing it uh we stand a legend here at water we just show and i just wanted to point this Damn. out that yeah like that cv is i was i just feel like this like reeling paper over like shit <laughs> here all day i know that is, so that is impressive yeah yeah um all right but that's all i've got we can, we can now launch into our uh discussion portion and our answering we questions can. We can indeed. I'm actually going to break slightly with tradition here and just open with a very quick synopsis of the show because I think it's worth pointing this out. Like, what the hell is Shoa Emiko Rako Shinjo actually about? Uh, well, it's not about a transphobic detective, so it's already better than that. Hey. Thank fuck. I mean, that's the lowest of, like, low bars to clear here, folks, but at least it's done that. No, um, basically, it is, I suppose, the life story of a Rakugo master, really. Um, but the first episode, you might think to yourself that, oh, it's just going to be about, like, you know, this dog being trained by a Rakugo master. And in the strictest sense, it is about a dog, or two dogs, rather, being trained by a Rakugo master, but more about people in the past. Um, which I actually really like as a um, bait and switch, because the, for a couple of reasons I'll get into later, but, like, just... That really is just the premise. Like, it is the life and times of a man, like, you know growing up through pre and then current and then post-war Japan, at least from the very first three episodes, that mm. is, uh, trying to hone his craft with Rako, trying to learn 
maybe even like a bit more about himself. I mean, certainly there are some revelations about himself that he comes to. Uh, and also a mystery about, oh, uh, he's, you know, adopted his uh, colleague's daughter uh, because his colleague uh, in Racco, like his fellow master, died at some point in the past. And she claims in no uncertain terms that he killed him, uh, which I don't know how that happened because, like, well, it would be like, you know, Mr. Burns winning a fight against Muhammad Ali, you know. But I mean, no disrespect to <laughs> him. It's just, it just seems unlikely. Uh, so we've had a mystery. we have a central mystery, but it's up to our uh, Racco master here, uh, oh. whose name early in life is Bon, uh, but we're going to call him Yakimo because he that is actually his title. Uh, Can we call him as a uh, Kiku Hiko, or is it no? Kiku sorry, Hiko. Kiku Hiku, or just Kiku for short. Uh, well, I have Mal open actually, so uh, it is Kiku Hiko. It is. It, yeah, there's an O at the end. Why I get so confused sorry but kiku yes i think that is like his name as opposed to like the yakimo title i i feel like that would be mm. the right way to go is is kiku and um but i can't but having said that i can't remember the name he's given uh by the seventh generation yakimo uh by he not kiku but um his his friend the name that his friend is given i remember shin and I remember the name he takes later, Sukaroku, but oh, fuck me, I just do not remember the name that starts with an H. Hamatora. That would be uh, ha- ha- Hatsutaro. Okay, okay. I'll try to remember that. I might like revert to calling him Shin and Bon because they're one-syllable mm. names. You know, we'll, we'll work with it, basically. They've got enough names to go around to at least get one yeah. of them right. We, I think we um, will know what each other mean, which is the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, I have to say though, like, I'm immensely disappointed in this show for one reason and one reason alone, which is that Kikiko does not have a sword cane. <laughs> well, not that you know of yet. I you better bloody like there are nine episodes to go, there better be a bloody sword cane. I don't ask for much, that's all I'm saying. Alright. So patron questions then after I gave that uh probably only half filled like summary, but really like it op- like the show opens with like a gentleman being released from prison named Yakno, I think his name is. Uh, and he wants to apprentice himself at Kikiko's feet as a Rakugo performer. Um, and that leads him to him meeting, um, God, what was her name again? Uh, Kon- Konatsu, uh, mm-hmm. the daughter I mentioned before who he adopted. And that's how this all kind of comes about. Uh, we'll come back to that in a bit. But for the moment, let's get on to the patron questions. So, uh, first couple of questions come from Kate Rose and go something like this. Why do you think Sukuroku's daughter, which would be uh, Konatsu, uh, isn't trying to take the stage in memory of her father and instead trains a Kyoji, who is the criminal released from prison. Well, um, I think it's a think pretty this, easy one. I think it's basically, as I understand, like, I'm going to answer this question, but I'm also going to point out something that we're going to discuss later, which is how this show approaches introducing us as an audience to the world of Rakugo. Um, because, like, this is like we mentioned in our as of yet unreleased Barakamon pod. Um, there are rules and expectations and such surrounding these uh, Japanese arts that um, we as Westerners are not privy to. But that being said, you know, are we meant to be privy to them necessarily going in? Is it meant for a Japanese audience who would know, like, this is the kind of stuff I'm just playing to your mind alone? Um, but to answer that, my understanding is at the time that this show is set, which I think is in the late 80s, I believe, that would be my, like, at least in the opening episode. We'll uh, go with when, that. That's perfectly the, fine. The, the, the present day, if you want to call it that. Um, my understanding is at least at that particular time, 
uh, it was not possible for a, a woman to become a rakugan performer. Yeah. However, uh, Kate herself has actually linked us an article uh, in our Discord. Uh, get yourself on the Discord access for $2 or higher patrons. So get a subtle plug in there. Uh, that illustrates that there was actually an Irish lady whose name eludes me right now who did become a Rakugo performer. Uh, I don't know much more of it than that. So many times have changed that, so that way it becomes more flexible. Um, but there has been a lot of history typically of Japan, like, you know... Um, doing as, as I understand it, like, you know, where gender roles are either very strict or they do swap things around a little bit, like where they have, like, men play women, for example, in certain mm-hmm. performances. Um, I mean, we mentioned also in our Brackman uh, podcast about Takas, there's a gig to that theatre, you know, <laughs> that one. Um, like, you know, how the roles, like, right. the expectations made on you because of your gender in that particular theatre are very, very strict, very rigid. You don't break them. It's taboo, period. Um which in its own funny way is then influencing idol culture, believe it or not, because you can't have boyfriends mm. if you're fucking idols, like that kind of thing. Uh, but I think that's pretty much the answer in that, like, uh, Konatsu mentions when discussing with, um, I think it's Yakimo's wife, or possibly a uh, housemaid. It's not It's not quite clear on this point, but it's also not really relevant. Um, like, you know, you knew my father, um, and all that. Like, what happened to him? And then she mentions, like, at the end of this conversation, like, you know... Um, I didn't want to be born um, as, like, I didn't want to be born as a woman. Like, I, I would have preferred to be a man. Now, this brings up shades of what you and I have been discussing off pod and have discussed on pod in the past about Naoto from Persona Four. God damn it! Uh, where, where we discussed, like, you know, was that trans narrative or not? Uh, and our opinion right. has evolved over time on that. But I'm not going to get into that because this is not about Persona Four. <laughs> right. Uh, so if you want my, if you want my answer on what this means, I think it is literally just the case of that she is not allowed to pursue the career in Rakko that she wants because she is a woman, and that's why she would prefer it to her rather than a gender dysphoria thing. That's my understanding of it, though, and in case you can't see me on video, I'm, you know, as white as the driven snow, and I'm also cisette, so there you are. So, take that opinion for what it's worth. But I really do think it's just as simple as that, in that she's prohibited because of her gender, and that's why she, uh, she hasn't pursued any further, even though, by all accounts in the show, she's pretty damn good at it, and she could potentially be even best with a bit of training. Yeah, oh, totally. She could be. Um, I will, you know... I, I will try to read some more about this because this is an interesting an interesting thing I hadn't really thought much about as a man of course um, as a man it just didn't cross my mind while I was watching it like why aren't there ladies but as you can see uh, through, we see several Rakugo performers and performances and we see a room full of masters and everything like that and none of them are women um, women can come and, and watch and bring their, their children uh, but you know, um, it does seem based on that. And then based on the scene where, uh, the young woman, uh, that we're talking about is very frustrated. She's shedding a tear and she says, you know, I, I never wanted to be born a woman because I can't surpass, um, Bon Yakumo Kiku, uh, this way. Because uh, I need mm-hmm. to surpass him as part of my revenge for my father's sake. And also, I think that, you know, we're, we're sort of assuming things based on circumstantial evidence, but <laughs> based on what we know of Japanese culture, especially back when the show is set in like the 80s, society, I should say, rather than culture, um, Japan is a deeply sexist country 
and society, um, especially compared to our own kinds of standards and ways of looking at it. So the fact that w- women will be barred from certain artistic professions uh, outright rather than the way that they're barred from things here, like, you know, being CEOs or like STEM by like these sort of indirect soft measures it's in japan it would not surprise me at all if the case was no women allowed this is a boys club well uh okay k has just pointed out in our chat that uh yes rakio is traditionally done by men uh what i will note by the way as an aside which we'll come back to in a bit is that this is not the only example in even just these three episodes of where gender roles and expectations are hoisted on a character and also, I should stress, in the second example, it's not even the case of them being hoist on a woman. It's them being hoist on a man. But we'll come back to that. Oh, man. We we might not even want to talk about that now just because the next set of episodes are going to put the pedal to the metal as far as that theme goes. Oh, I see. Well, um, just to clarify, in case you're wondering, like, has Dart been shaking his magic anime eight ball again? Uh, the answer to that is no. He has actually seen this show before from my memory. Uh, I one. have not, despite... Despite the fact that people have told me many, many, many times to do it, and I've done what I've always done. I've said, oh, I'll do the babushka show. I'll put it tomorrow. It's fine, you know. It's fine. I'll get round to it eventually, you know. I basically operate on Valve time if you happen to be a video gamer. I'm very sorry. Um, anyway, next question from Kate. What do you make of the relationship between Yakimo and Sukuroku? So this, again, would be Bon and Shin. Oh, oh. Big oh. question. <laughs> Big question. Oh, man. Um, well, I think we should just get straight into it and say that there is a lot of, like... I mean, this is something our patrons have already discussed in our discussion channel about this show. So I'm not going to take sole credit for noticing this. I'm going to point out that Dave said this and just bring it to everyone's attention, but... If you want to read into this as a um, as a homosexual, even bisexual relationship, uh, at least on uh, Sukuroko to uh, Yakimo's uh, parts here, uh, you can because there's a scene like you know of them bonding, like you know they obviously spend time in the bathhouse together uh, when they're younger, and then when they're older, like there's that scene of them making the pinky promise, uh, in which um, Sukuroku uh, you know helps him go to sleep by uh, speaking Rakugo. Um Man, yeah. I don't know yeah. how much I want to commit to like actually answering this question right now, as much as you said with the other one, because we are only three episodes in. I, I'll say this though, like, because I think that some of these things are not like mutually exclusive. Like, you can have certain facets of relationship that then also combine with another. So I'm not going to commit to saying as a hard yes or a hard no to it being a queer uh, romance. Um, although it's certainly queer code if you want to read it that way. Um, but what I am going to hard commit to is saying that it is pretty didactic in the show itself. Uh, it's very intentional that these two are complete opposites. You have one who is an introvert, that being Yakimo, Bon, Hirokiko, you know. And then you have Sukuroku, who is all energy all the time. Like, you know, he's constantly dialed up to 11. Uh, there's no two ways about it. So um, what I think that this relationship does for them both, though, um, I also got my headphone cable car that's why i was just fidgeting then uh what i think this relationship does for them though is it makes them kind of not entirely meet in the middle but like helps take the edge off a little bit for both of them where like obviously sukuroku needs a little bit of restraint in his life but also uh yakimo or bon needs a bit like you know to get out there he needs to come out of his shell a, a lot bit. he needs a bit more <laughs> yeah. time yeah 
Yeah. So in terms of that kind of relationship, I think that's pretty clear cut in the show that that's the role that they serve for each other. Uh, but on top of that, uh, Sukuroko also simply serves the role of being the first person Bon has probably ever actually had a proper friendship with. As someone who accepts him for who he is. Yeah. Uh, rather than, as we find out in the very like second episode, uh, where as a child he was basically cast off because he was useless. Like, uh, or at least perceived as useless by his parents. Uh, which leads to a heart-wrenching scene in the in the bath, which... Man, God, this like, got me, dude. This is rough. Yeah, like, this this show, like, I'll put it out there right now, even though I really should save it for, like, my final thoughts, but um, this show, like, had a reputation that I was aware of going into this. And, you know, whenever, like, I hear about stuff like this, like, when I heard, for example, about how Fruits Basket was this legendary manga that was being adapted into an anime, like, it, and I was like, hmm, I see, all right, let's, let's go prod and proke it, you know, like, let's, let's see what's really true here, you know? Uh, and then with... Uh, Racco, that simply was the case with people recommending it to me. Um, that reputation is thus far absolutely earned, in my opinion. It is a phenomenal piece of work. It is like tight, tightly written, uh, tightly executed throughout. Um, so, yeah, I thus far have been quite impressed with it. Um, and I think that that bathhouse scene alone, like where um, Yakimo, like, Sukuroku makes the surprisingly mature observation for his age that, hey, you know what? You were abandoned too, weren't you? You know, because both of them don't have any parents at this point. Just cut right uh, to the bone. And, and, Yak- and Yakimo Bon, like, he starts crying in the bathhouse because he recognizes the truth of those words. It's a deeply powerful moment. But that's why also Sukuroku is a very three-dimensional character we've now in the gate because the thing about extroverted characters like him is that they can be all that all the time with no shades, no a chance to dial them down from 11 to something a bit more reasonable. But he has those moments of insight. I think that what it is is not only is he extroverted, but he's also emotionally mature, which is something that Bon, through no fault of his own, just because of his upbringing, has not had the chance to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, God, how, this is such a, how do I, how do I feel about their relationship? What do I make of it? I I think it's, I think it's incredibly beautiful. Uh, I also find it to be quite sad just because I don't know something, uh, something about them together. Like, you know, Sukuroku, I just wants Bond to be happy. You know, mm-hmm. and Bond struggles really, really hard with being happy if he's ever happy. And you know, I I read this on on the part of Bond, like I read Bond as a queer character. But I think you know, if if you don't, that's that's fine. But I think what is impossible to ignore is d- the beauty and complexity of the relationship, because like you pointed out, like Sukuroku Shin. He's the first person, the first human to treat Kiku, Bon, uh, like a person and not like uh, a mm. problem, not like something that needed to be tended and then ultimately abandoned. You know, Sukuroku mm. sees him and acknowledges him and cares about him and, and comes to love him. And Bon loves Sukuroku. And if it, it's because of that that he comes to love Rakugo. I think, you know, mm-hmm. because of his connection maybe even, to Shin. Maybe even, even eventually himself, perhaps a little bit, you know? Maybe so. And I mean, 
Maybe so. I mean, I just don't think he would have like if Shin if he takes Shin out of the picture. I just don't. I don't think Bond would have taken Tarakago, but. You know, he said, well, Shin is the reason I came to love it. And Shin is the reason I came to yeah. hate it. And this that- is the this is the thing, though, like in the third episode, uh, because this is the history of these characters. I'll rather I say it's the history of Bon and I'm going to come back to why I'm specifically saying it's his history and not Sukuroku's mm-hmm. later. But there's a very there is a very key reason I'm saying that. Uh, so put that in your back of your head. Zone. But like yeah. in the third episode, uh, which we're covering today, like, um, well, World War Two comes a knocking, and that obviously has an effect on the on you know our characters who are living in Tokyo. So the point where uh, Bon uh, leaves with uh, his master's wife to live in the countryside uh, safely, while the master himself, the Yakuo of that time, the seventh generation uh, gentleman, and Sukuroku are going to entertain and perform on the front lines. Which obviously, I mean, it's the front lines. That's uh, you know, that's like saying, oh, you know what you're going to do. Uh, you're going to do the normally beach landings, but you're going to unicycle down there. <laughs> exactly Have fun. right. Just, uh... Yeah, put me down for none of that. Thank you very much. Um, but the point being, though, is that we get some time with Bon, of course, because uh, he's narrating this his history here, mm-hmm. uh, of how he had to abandon Rakugo for a time because obviously he couldn't perform. Uh, indeed, the practice itself, as I understand it from what is presented in the show, was going out of fashion a little bit in the run-ups to the war. It was becoming censored it's because indecent. of some of the, uh, <laughs> right. yeah, some of the more bawdy material. I mean, you know, I, I don't see what the problem is. You know, like they they just they just discovered Pornhub early. It was on wooden blocks or pa- or paper. You know, what's the problem? I don't see the issue of a Rakugo story about stepmoms. I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, before mm. Doc like wilts in embarrassment, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the point I was getting to is that he spends time working at a factory, and he actually explicitly mentions that if he wanted to, he could have settled there doing this regular nine to five job, marrying a regular girl, because uh, he was actually dating a girl for a while. What a heartbreaker! <laughs> I, I have to say, like you know, when I said before that this was queer coded, like you could also read this particular relationship as Arrow, perhaps. Um, but I think a big part that also is played in how, like, he is a Rakugo uh, apprentice is still not allowed to, like, meet uh, and spend time with women in that particular context, as I understand it. Sorry. You look puzzled, Doc. Oh, I, I, I missed. What, could you repeat that statement or question? Right. So, like, I was saying, like, he was dating um, that lady for a time, you know. Right. Um, Ochiyo. And he... Yeah, and he wasn't able to... He didn't continue that in Yanga. She left. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, you could read that relationship they had as kind of Arrow. Uh, but also, if it's not that, you could read it as a cultural thing um, because of the context that, as a Rakugo apprentice, he is not allowed to seemingly uh, yeah. date women or or at least not date, like, people who are also performers like him. Well, because he was, like, the lowest rank. Like That's it. There you go. So they he couldn't be No distractions. Um, yeah. yeah, I get and that is part of a, a system that I don't You even have never been to. horny a day in your life. <laughs> I don't even begin to like I can't even claim to know like how that works if you can only date someone on your rank or once you reach a certain rank then you can start having a romantic life. No idea, but for whatever reason because he was bottom of the barrel, they couldn't be seen together. And uh, yeah, he starts dating Ochio because he was curious what women were like, which is a uh, 
very interesting right and but then he kind of he says he sort of fell for her in a way because he's like what she was honest and charming and she was cool but then she had to leave because of the war well he had he had no baseline though so that makes sense as well like he's not really interacting with any women apart up to that point apart from his mother who basically said all right son uh i'm not gonna do you the dignity of putting you in a basket like you know or giving you anything to take with you you're just gonna go and apprentice this dude and bye yeah i mean his Later. yeah I mean, you you brought up the whole uh, gender sort of expectations and traditional roles. I mean, his life is sort of defined by that from the get-go in a way, right? Because mm. the reason he's put on the, the doorstep of uh, the Rakugo master and apprenticed him is because, you know, he was being raised uh, by a geisha. And I believe his mom is a geisha and he was a dancer, but he had some sort of leg injury that they don't get into the specifics well, about, but he can't dance anymore. So it's like, yeah, well, what good but is this boy in this world of geisha? Right. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they even mentioned specifically that they weren't interested in him dancing prior to that point mm. as a boy geisha anyway. Sure. Like, yes. And yes. then and then the leg injury just sealed the deal. Like, so I get the yeah. impression that they were humoring him up until that point, And now he can't yeah. do it anymore. Uh, the leg injury, like. I want to mention something that I f- that just really shows how amazingly well constructed this show is and how rich in detail it is. Now, I mentioned before about how these two characters, Sukuroku and Kirihiko Bon, are like opposites of each other. They are, you know, fire and ice, oil and war, blah, blah, blah. You can insert your own <laughs> metaphor here. Um, but the very first time we see the both of them in the episode two ongoing flashback narrative, uh, they are defined by mobility. Uh, Bon himself is shown very explicitly to be a a cripple. Uh, He has, you know, the cane. Uh, He's less able. He's not able to walk very well. He's a disabled Uh, person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Whereas Sukuroku, like, the first thing we see of him is him running at high speed and jumping around. Like, that's completely, like, it's not, it's, like, prominent in the camera work and the storyboarding, but it's not something that's explicitly mentioned by the characters themselves. And indeed, like, you know, if Bon ever had any jealousy of that, that's not apparent thus far in the show. It might be something later, I don't know. But that's still a contrast point that is sold through the visuals, and it's from the moment we meet the younger versions of these characters from the second that they appear on screen. That's how, like, dense with detail this show is, where even from that starting moment, from the moment the, the gun is sounded there are contrasts being made between the two. They won't explicitly call out, but will nonetheless be something that you can spot if you're paying attention. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really great observation. <clears throat> I just also wanted to say that, that I, I think Kiku is such a, he's a really fascinating chap. And I'm very glad that we're going to have this chance to sort of study his character uh and see his life play out because you know we hear from the daughter of Sukeroku in the beginning like okay you killed him and then we get to the point where we are in the story now I mean, how is that possible right how we how can we even foresee this happening because they they love each other but we yeah. know we know what Sukeroku doesn't know because we are privy to Bond's inner life and we know that because of how he feels about himself and his self-esteem issues and, and all sorts of other things. He also hates Sukuroku because Sukuroku mm. doesn't fit what he sees as like apprentice material right from the off. And yet he is a, just a, a prodigy at Rakugo, an absolute 
natural, and quickly surpasses Bon. And Bon is struggling. He has to go to school. Sukuroku gets to stay home and practice. And it it eats away at him that this this guy is better than him. But also at the well, same time, he sees Bon as a person. So Bon like feels caring towards him. It's this really like fascinating it's, it's kind, kind of uh, too, yeah. relationship. It's two things held in tension with each other, which is as you say that Bon is the only person who has given him ge- sorry, uh, Sukuroku is the only person who's given Bon like genuine warmth and affection, pretty much. Probably for his entire life, I would say. Maybe with the exception of the seventh generation Rakuo Master, but that always is going to be framed as a teacher-student thing and not as a necessarily a friend thing. Like, you know, there's always going to be that level of professionalism. Uh, and certainly if there's one thing you can say about Sugoroku is that professional is not a word you can even spell, never mind practice. <laughs> so, I mean, do you think, are. like, when at the end of episode three, when Sugoroku's back from the war, like, and that incredible moment happens when kiku runs up and hugs him i think that might be the first hug he's ever had and he's like a 20 year old man Uh, yes wow (laughs) absolutely the the second thing i mentioned that was intention with though is like uh so obviously you have this like you know emotional connection where this person has treated me well but on the other hand like how how would you feel like i mean sure maybe some of you actually in the audience have felt this uh where you go through school and you work your fucking ass off. You work so hard. You struggle. You toil. You sweat. And then one aisle over, there's this little dipshit who is giggling his way through class. And yet, and yet, when the test scores and such come back, it turns out he's done better than you. Oof. It's effortless. That's the f- Whereas yours is effort. Like yours is hard work. For them, it's just, I'm going to glide right through and that's what Sukuroku does. He just glides through it. And that's no clearer than the first uh, Rakugo performances, which in themselves, by the way, I want to save this for a talking point later, but like the, the Rakugo performances in this show are a technical... God, uh, they're so good! Like, uh, they are a tour de force of execution. <laughs> they are so good. It, they are phenomenally great, uh, but I will not gush about them just yet. You're going to have okay. to wait a little bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have anything else to add about the relationship, or should we move on to our next page? I mean, question? we could probably talk about this for ages, so we should move on. I'm sure we'll sprinkle in other details we'll, all throughout this we're series. Probably gonna, we're going to revi- revisit that, aren't we? So, absolutely. Um, the final question. Uh, what do you think provokes Yakimo to take on Kyoji as an apprentice, even though he had previously refused to do so? Um, I think that the parallel between Kyoji and Sukuroku. Okay, um, that's the person. Okay, is, I was like, who? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Kyo- Kyoji, right. Kyoji's the present day criminal chap who is not actually the main character of the series, no, which no. is kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that the show makes a clear. In fact, it says as much like that he's the spitting image of Sukuroku, who not his literal ghost, but his memory still haunts um, Bon Yakimo, Kiriko. You know, um, so. I think that you could obviously make a point that, hey, uh, he's doing it because he feels like, you know, I saw someone just like him, like, not be given, like, be given the chance to prove themselves, and they did. So I shouldn't write them off just because he's literally coming from a place of lowliness, in which case he's just a freshly released criminal. Um, 
so that's one um, thing. But I think the other thing as well is there's a scene of of younger um, Bond when like uh, Sukuroku first like introduced himself to the seventh generation master, and the master has a very specific line, which is no one can doubt something. Something like that. It's of, we're not getting past your sincerity, are we? Or something to that effect. Right, his uh, confidence or whatever. His uh, yeah, your brazen incre- overconfidence. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's a similar thing that happens when uh, Yakuro, like, actually um, prostrates himself uh, before Bond at the, in the carriage in the snow. Because, to give context by it, the reason this happens is that, yes, Bond takes him in initially. Um, but then, um, oh god, Yakuro makes probably one of the worst faux pas I can think of, uh, short of setting the entire theatre on fire. Uh, which was that he, he falls asleep and starts snoring during the middle of his master's performance. The person he has said at length that he admires like they were a god walking among us. That hurts me, man. And it's also because, like, I don't even think Yotaro realizes it, but <laughs> the reason... I, I, I didn't sort of... Uh, read this scene in this manner I'm about to talk about the first time I watched it. But this time I feel like the reason he's put right to sleep is because he is so invested and just in the moment and he's just feeling the story so deeply because like the part that um, Kiku is talking about in the story is like someone coming inside from the cold and getting warmed up by a fire. Ah, and the smoke, comforting, and you're sipping the warm eggnog, and oh, I feel so at peace. And uh, that puts him to sleep. I feel like he's just, like, feeling all his master's words so deeply. Um, And maybe he's a little tired. You know, it's been a long day. But that is sort of, like, puts him to sleep because, you know, that's just, like, how he's experiencing the story. And he's punished for that because... Yakumo, the eighth generation Yakumo here, Kiku, does not understand that. I don't think Yotaro understands that. And also, uh, Kiku is super sensitive about this kind of thing because we see early on his Rakugo is fucking boring. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Hello there. I am going to read a story to you. Let us read the story. This person left the house and they went down the street. They passed round the streets and said hello to their fellow man. It was a very sunny day. We'll call the red babies red babies. The white babies oh white babies. <laughs> like a- well, if I may, if I may expand on your point about like how he felt comfortable. One thing to note as well is the historic is the historic context between the two of them. In the um, Bon actually performed Rakugo for uh, Yakino and his fellow prisoners while he was actually in prison. Um, so and that right. was like an inspiring light for him yeah. so maybe that's the source of comfort in itself that like hey I'm back like in a place where I felt content so yeah. I think, like, it's not yeah. just not just being the content of the story mm-hmm. but also just because hey you know I'm back in a place of comfort something it's that I'm familiar, familiar with yeah. and I can feel I, I, I mean, feel relaxed in totally I think that's super plausible because we see that with Kikubon later too in that like he can't quit Rakugo because during the war when he's at his most anxious reading those stories and practicing the ones, especially the ones that Sukeroku would read to him at night brings him peace. So I think that's totally like a, a valid mm-hmm. read of that scene. Absolutely. All right. Uh, do we have anything else to add on that particular point about why they would take him on? Why did he, um, 
I mean, not really. Like, I think I think we've covered it. Yeah, yeah. I think you you put it succinctly. Uh, first time for everything. Hey, <laughs> all right. Um, so this next one comes from Gogo Atomic Robot and goes a bit like this: A common issue of anime is poor pacing. Yes, absolutely. Yes, Christ. Uh, a lot of material has been covered across the three, these three episodes, uh, but Rakugo still manages to tell a satisfying dynamic story and make room for at least one long Rakugo scene in each episode. What lessons could other shows take from this one? All right. Um, when we, I the first thing I'm going to say is that when we talk about pacing, um, it like what I need to be clear on is that a show doesn't need to stick to a, a fast or a slow pace in its events. Rather, the pacing needs to match what you're trying to do to the point where, like, if you're deliberately drawing things out over the course of several minutes, uh, there's an artistic point to that. And similarly, if you're making things go by very quickly, there's an artistic point to that as well. Um, also, the risky run of pacing things too fast is that you also potentially cause the audience to lose details. Um, but the main point I'm making is an artistic one. So this leads us to talk about the Rakugo scenes in particular, and some of these are very, very long. They are the full story, or at least if I merely don't know these stories myself, like um, Rakugo is a very oral tradition, as I understand it, where it's passed down generation to generation. So it could very well be these are abridged versions of classic stories, or they could be just the actual full story told in whatever form it appears in the show. But point being, um, the these scenes sometimes are very, very slowly paced, and they obviously don't match the pacing of the rest of the show, where we're moving around through events fairly quickly. Like we skip, for example, like several years of their teenage life, for example, like they're young kids, and then boop, we get to the point where they're older. But that's fine because we don't need to see the stuff in, in between that, even though it could be interesting in its own right. But point being, uh, in the Rakugo scenes, like when we see, for example, uh, Hiroko's uh, Bond's first performance, it is, as you say, dry. It is Oof. as dry. It is as dry as a bucket of sand. Um, and it goes on for what feels forever. Um, but that's a deliberate instance of the pacing being used to make an artistic point to help mm -hmm. sell that, along with some other things which I'll address when we get to talking about the Racco sections in more detail. Um, but conversely, um, Sukiro's like, his... Um, his Rakio performance the very first time is very energetic. It moves very quickly, even though I feel like it has a similar amount of actual runtime in terms of minutes and seconds. Yeah. But he, that, again, is, is paced that way to, like, sell his uh, his craft. He's just an engaging he's performer. Yeah. Yeah, he's a naturally born entertainer. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the lesson I would say that you could take from Rakugo uh, regarding pacing is this. It's a sliding scale, like on any instrument that you can use. And there's nothing wrong with you switching it back and forth as you feel is appropriate. But you have to make sure that you're using it in a measured way with a deliberate intent behind it. Like, if you want your show to be like, you know, say 12 episodes about a single day, that I would argue could very well be described as a slow-paced show. But that's your artistic intent there being utilized, and that's why that's totally fine. Conversely, you could do it like where one episode is a year and then it feels like the pace here. You see where I'm going with this, or even you mix and match in between episodes. But you need to match the pacing to what's happening in the story. Um, this is also why there's a substantial amount of time devoted in the third episode to the uh, middle of the war, in which we don't see a Sukuroku like, for a while. And why, why is that the case? So we get so much time? Because it helps accentuate the feeling that we have of, is this the point where he died? 
or did we did he never come back from the war and we don't see him until like several years later it's trying because it's trying to build up that sense of that suspense for you there so that's why that slow pacing works then why we get so much time like with bond like living his regular life which has nothing to do with rakugo really um yeah but that's the intent behind it so yeah use it deliberately like you would any other narrative tool and match it to the material you're trying to cover and also for the effect that you're trying to create if you're doing it with slow pacing like with the Racco scenes or with that particular scene with Bond, it's because you want to build up expectation either of, oh god, I wish this Rakugo were fucking over because it's terrible and I hate it. It's like having a power drill put through my temple. Or, uh, in the case of that, as I say, put, like mid-war scene, uh, the absence of them, like, you know, we're dragging it out long to help, like, build up that tension and just then release it at the right moment. Because I'll tell you this for free, if it had been just a solid minute of, oh, I went and worked away in the country for a couple of years, did some work at a factory, and then, oh, I saw him again, just going down the street one day. That would have nowhere near the punch it did otherwise, would no. it? No, of course not. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, this show is a, a real joy to watch, isn't it? Like, in terms of the, the pacing and, and how, you know, like Rakugo performers that are at the top of their craft, just how engaging it is and how watchable and how much you get drawn into it. Like I never found myself even during the double length premiere looking at the episode time and thinking, Oh boy, this is going on for a while. Like mm-hmm. I was just so wrapped up in it to the point that Shadon, like in the, the third episode when Sukaroku is missing, like in a lot of shows, what I would be thinking is, well, we know he's fine because we see his daughter in the first episode and he ain't had the kid yet, so he's going to come back. No, totally. I was just in it, in the moment, with Kiku and uh, his master's wife and just like, what's happened to him? When's he going to come back? Like, what in the world? What's going on? These poor people. Like, it, it like... I'm hanging on every word again as if I was watching a stage performance um, like a like a Rakugo show. And, you know, to that a point, like you you brought up the Rakugo scene specifically, and I know we'll talk about those in more detail, but I just want to say how freaking cool is it that in a show that is about, you know, it's about these people, but Rakugo is a huge part of it too. And kind of telling the world about this really interesting form of Japanese art in many shows like Barakamon or even, I mean, this is sort of like adjacent to a sports show, I would say, um, in shows about baseball or soccer. Extreme or cane fencing. We get these vertical slices of those competitive experiences of those games uh, of those shows or paintings. We get to see parts of the creative process or we get to see parts of the result. We don't usually, to my mind, get to see entire games, entire uh, works from start to finish. But with this show about Rakugo, we get to see real Rakugo just animated before us and, and come to life with the aid of the camera. But like, we get to see not a part of a Rakugo performance, not some abridged adjacent thing that we like, okay, I get the idea. We get multiple full-on Rakugo stories performed for us, and that's cool as shit. Yep. And they're not about embarrassing people in the name of stroking your own ego. 
<laughs> refreshing, isn't it, when that happens? <laughs> and like, uh, no, and and um, about the pacing specifically, like, I will admit that I'm. This is one of those things that I feel like when I see a show that's paced well or poorly, I can be like, oh, that's good or that's bad. But like, how to construct a thing to make it such, like. I just go with Shadon's answer. The most I can say is like, it probably helps if you have planned your story out from beginning to end so that you crazy. I know, you know how much time you'd like to give different elements of it. Um, I mean, you know, you know, what's funny now that you mention it, let's as a counter example, let's revisit, uh, last season's second streams show. Yes. Say what was that say? Cause you and I remember our thoughts about the final episode and how it suddenly yeah. seemed to go on like, quadruple fast forward it's such a sprint it was disorienting yeah, yeah. very unsatisfying and that's the thing though, that last one because yeah. just just to revisit that very briefly like we jumped from the breakup of the two lead characters well at least our two of the lead characters to a scene later where oh i'm now going to meet another one and like apologize to him even though in real time like in the show only mere minutes had passed but it didn't feel like relative like that there was a lot of time had passed in universe even though it clearly also had and that's where the pacing doesn't align with the actual writing so yeah for a combination of actual like time spent on the animation versus like what you choose to show you need to kind of align that to like you know what's required for the scene in question Mm -hmm. and i think that it does i think it does give appropriate time like in that you know mid-war scene of like at the factory and stuff where we have enough time with bond to not only as i say wonder what's happened to kroger but also then question is he going to remain there? Like, obviously not forever because we do know he becomes a Racco master, but like, is the war going to be the, the end of the war going to be the cutoff point in which he leaves? Or is he going to continue on for a couple of years after that? That's the open question there. Yeah. But as you say, though, I think you also nailed on the head by saying planning the whole thing ahead of time, mm-hmm. take no anime studios is key. It's, you can, you can definitely tell. I feel like most of the time when a story has been, plotted out fully and they understand that they've been gifted with these 13 episodes or however long and need to use each one to its fullest and shows that are like you know either waiting on material to be finished or just kind of flying by the seat of their pants sometimes that can work Mm -hmm. out in good ways but that's i think the rare exception but we are next Mm -hmm. next question uh this is the final one this comes from okk and goes something like this um even as a non-Japanese speaker, uh, and yeah, you know, like I still don't even know like the words, not guilty, so I'm not going over to Japan anytime soon. <laughs> guilty Janai, um, I think. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm just be there yelling over and over while they take me away. Um, but anyway, uh, are you able to pick up on the differences in the voice acting between the different Rakugo performances, such as when Yakimo performed badly during the flashback? Uh, that, of course, being uh, Hirokiso, um, sorry, I'm getting his name, so Bon. Uh, mm-hmm. And could you hear that it was stiff compared to what you'd heard previously? So, okay, one thing I want to get out of the gate right now is um, Yakubo's voice actor is Akira Ishida, according to my anime list. And if my anime list is to be believed, maybe. It did have that Nazi problem <laughs> one, so maybe not. <laughs> right, right. But oh, the, the data, well, I'll put it this way. I feel like the data is <laughs> mostly good. <laughs> That's at least something. Yeah. Um, uh, Akira Ishida-san, um, I, I might have that the wrong way around, actually, because I'm terrible with these names. I apologize. Um, no, it is, it is Ishida-san, sorry. Um, 
like he um, voices both like present day Yakimo and Ooh, yeah. uh, adults are like on well, like early adult Bon as well. Like not Kid Bon. Kid Bon is voiced by an actual different Seiyu. Um, so on that front alone, uh, Akira does a phenomenal job because not only can you tell like from this transition between the double length episode one to episode two that there's a lot more confidence in the older Bond's voice, like to the point where he's actually very acerbic towards um, Konatsu and Yotaro, um, which he clearly wouldn't have been when he was younger necessarily, at least not necessarily in talking out loud. Um, but also in the Rakugo performance itself, like when I gave that example before of hi, I'm talking about Rakugo. This is great, isn't it? Like, that's not too far from the truth, to be quite honest, of how that performance came across. Um, Right. But then, of course, we have the modern-day performance he does where he is incredibly expressive. Like, he's going for all these different tones. Uh, He acts, dare I say. Yes. And it's amazing to me that this actor has such range that they can do both the young and old versions of the character while also then, like going one step further by showing like the levels of confidence now i mean obviously voices change over time anyway like you know when you get older you get more gruff and all that um but he like by just also handled the cadences like of both on and off the rakugo stage really well uh because it's clear by the way in the performance i mentioned not to dunk on uh, bond too much but he is very clearly like nervous as all hell he's shaking he's a little scared yeah. i would argue sweat drops hit the the cushion before he does Mm-hmm. yeah uh so i think that came across very clearly and that's to the show's credit mm-hmm. um that handles that that well like that they picks a voice actor that not only is good at their job well obviously voice acting is a master of direction as well so yeah. that the two were in alignment here and pulled this off to great effect uh, really shows like the progression we can expect from the characters which is how this whole story is framed like we know where the end point is but the journey is very interesting as a result because we can't ourselves necessarily put together how do you get from like being the way he was then to the way he is now? Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, I hate Rakugo. <clears throat> now, now, now I'm a master. How yeah. does that happen? How does that happen? That, lo- that alone is a fascinating it's so idea cool. for a story. Like, it's so cool that like the fucking like greatest practitioner of this art when we start the story <clears throat> began his relationship to it with by, by hating it for a long time years yeah. uh, it's so cool um but to answer Kay's question and hello Kay, um i feel like we haven't seen you around very much so thanks for popping in and asking a question um indeed it's a good question i think even more so than when i watched it the first time um i feel like i was able to tell c- certainly not based on like any if if there were sort of vocabulary or syntax differences based on like how the character in episode three, even when he's a young man or early on when he's, you know, the eighth generation master, um, the, the words or sentence structure they use compared to the younger one, there probably isn't a difference because they memorize these stories. It seems word for word. So it probably is all tone if I had to guess. And like you said, the tone, uh, is so different. I think, you know, even if you didn't kind of pick up on that, like the body language and the way the audience is reacting and things like that, that they show, like they give you enough context clues for you to be like, okay, he's drowning or, oh, he's doing really well there. He's, he's making him laugh or like, well, he's got, got them in the palm of his hand, you know? Um, but, but mm-hmm. this time, yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty clear, um, to me and Shadon that like, as, 
you know, when, when Kiku is doing his first ever performance, his tone is very flat. He does not change his voice at all or mannerisms or anything when he changes characters. So it all is difficult, is difficult for the audience to follow the progression of character changes. Um, he's not a lot of expression, um, Whereas, you know, contrasted with Sukaroku, who's like just super expressive and vibrant. Yeah. Whereas, you know, again, Bond is very flat. So, yeah. He's not lifeless, though, I should stress. There are moments where you can see, like, him doing the little bug eyed expression, for example. Toward the uh, end of it. Which yeah. Break, yeah. Which break through. Like, mm-hmm. it's, and that's against the credit of this. Like, it would be all too easy to write, like, you know, person does something badly when they try it for the first time as a holistic failure. But it makes it clear that there are, you know, some glimmers of the performer that he would become already in the very first performance. Uh, and conversely, I should stress, by the way, like, obviously, Sukuroku does the performance and everyone's, like, losing their minds over it because it's he's a naturally energetic person. Uh, so that, like, draws people to him. But it's clear from, like, the reaction of the uh, seventh generation master, like, that he's not practiced and that it's still not necessarily a good performance, like, which is a, a really interesting idea that just because you get audience applause and laughter out of them like doesn't necessarily make it a good show uh, which funnily enough is a key lesson for a lot of modern <laughs> tv as it turns out <laughs> right yeah. you know what i mean i do i do um so is that our final I, patron question that is our final patron question yes yeah, so thank you all thank very you. much for throwing those out to us um always really good to have uh you know you're asking for our thoughts like you know i'm really happy that uh, we get to do that if you do want to provide your own thoughts would be listener at home and you're not currently sending us any of your local denomination uh do feel free to do so through patreon.com uh, get yourself on the five dollar tier and you can ask us questions about pretty much anything you know it could be about decadence it could be about Rako shinjo you know a brand new animal it can't be about my hair though that's for both for, of yep that, that's off the off the table yeah. All right. Before we move on to actually doing our own talking points, I am going to snip very quickly uh, live on air because I'm an irresponsible prick to go get another drink. <laughs> I will. This will be a moment because my yep. kitchen is round the corner. Just a wee little break. We'll be right back. We're back. I have a new beer. More Goose IPA. Thank you very much, Tesco, for selling it to me for the cheap sum of 50 pence. You know, it's actually cheaper than actual soft drink, which is kind of crazy. Is it good? Hey. I mean, is a 50 pence beer good? Well, not well. It was reduced. Normally, this is like a pound fifty mm, per can. Mm. So it's not it's not bad beer. Like it's Goose IPA. Like it's legitimately. Oh, good. that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah still, yeah. yeah. It's still it's still not had the uh, untitled Goose IPA sponsorship, which it really should have done ages ago. Because you know the gamer market, that's always something you can tap into for disposable income. But never mind. You know, let's waste up on that. All right. So talking points. I'm gonna go and drop a truth bomb on you here, Doc. But just as something to completely blow your brain. Uh, Think about this right. What if I told you that Bond telling this entire flashback is the hardest Rakio performance of his entire life? I would totally agree. I mean, yes. And I'll tell you why. Because because Rakio is often framed as literally one person having mm-hmm. to portray the like the roles and personalities of two people at once. It can go, if you'll indulge my improv here a little bit, and go something less like, hey, did you hear? Did you hear about those guys doing that new podcast? Huh? Nah, I don't believe that for a second. Those talentless hacks. No, no, really, really, they're doing it. They're going to do another podcast with them. You get the point. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, that is the first and last time I'll do Rakugo, by the way. And I also coincidentally may have been barred from entering Japan now as a result. Uh, but point being, uh, obviously, like, you know, there are a minimum of two characters usually in a Rakugo performance that one person must portray using nothing more than I'm going to be on my hand, like, on my knees. I've got this fan that I can use, like, as we see in this do 
fishing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the key thing here is portraying two different people. So think about how crazy it is the Bond, like who we've already seen has historically been very introverted, having to recount the life and times of a deceased friend who was his opposite in many ways. And he's still got to like portray those lines, like say like how enthusiastic about was about it. Like think about the behind the scenes, like, you know, actual reality of him telling this story. It's insane. And that alone like makes me respect the show so much like that it is literally the synthesis of the very idea of Rakugo as a storytelling thing being used to educate these people on the history of the profession and also in particular Konatsu's father. Right. Like that's bananas when you think about it like that. But yeah. it's so good. It's layered. Many layers. Mm. Like an ogre. Or an Speaking onion. of layers, but not of o- but not of ogres, let's talk about the Rakugo scenes okay. as well. Alright, so I want to make something clear at the start here about the way that these work and why I think the show is very smart. Because there is an audience uh, that is watching the Rakugo performance in the show, but then there is also us, the audience, you know, us watching at home, mobile phone, whatever. We are distinct entities, even though we are technically the same thing. Uh, Why is this important, you might wonder? Why am I bringing this up? But in, you know, the better days when we were able to, you know not worry about being two meters away from someone lest our heads explode um, or whatever, you know. Um, I would ask you at home to say, have you ever been and watched a live comedy performance or even a musical performance? Like, have you ever watched, for example, an indie band? Have you ever, like, watched a comedian? Odds are pretty favourable you have. I have. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you it's free, right? When you're in the same room as many other people uh, listening to someone perform, there's a certain weight on the air like for you know that settles like a rock like you know like you're drowning if a joke falls flat oh. like <laughs> someone yeah someone cracks a bad joke and it and you immediately feel everyone tense up a little bit because they feel was I meant to laugh at that i don't know it's, it's weird i don't get it um but obviously that can't be replicated with this division between the diegetic audience and us the regular people actually who are alive supposedly mm-hmm. uh watching this show um so I want to talk about the ways in which the show um, actually uses camera movements and also oh. music and audio yep. to really, really sell Rakugo to you in a way that like they, because I think they recognize there is a limitation inherent to doing it this way because you can't physically be there to watch it. Uh, I think that there is something lost in translation a little bit because you're not in the, like, it's like if you ever say, for example, watch like the stand up sessions of any famous me like, let's say Bill Bailey, you know, you you can buy, I imagine, a lot of Bill Bailey's performances on DVD. You can watch them on stream. But it's not the same as physically being there. That is a hard truth about it. Because a lot of comedy often is about like who you're with as much as who you're watching. Uh, and getting involved in the energy of an audience. But also, um, exactly. It's, it's also, though, as much as it is uh, something is lost if you're not a part of the audience. Uh, I think... The experience of watching secondhand like this via like a camera, the show play out and seeing the audience and their participation uh, is enough of an approximation to to get you a lot out of it and to kind of keep the integrity of the performance and its quality intact. But imagine, Mm. if you will, rather than taking the camera viewer out and placing them in the audience, take the audience out and put them all, remove the audience and make everyone watch on TV as they perform to an empty theater. This is the situation 
that we are facing in the the modern you know COVID nineteen pandemic world is all these sports, live events, the presidential debates in my country are all going to keep pressing forward because people want to experience these things that add spice and color and flavor to life. But things are going to lose audiences. And I think I'm going to talk about this some more related to a very specific thing, but I think more, more than we think more than we realize live events and live performances live and die by that audience yeah that is absolutely true um so why am i bringing up this division this dichotomy and why am i saying that i think the show is very smart about it because first off we need to talk about how these scenes are shot and storyboarded and holy shit they have (laughs) done everything right with this um I mean, just by the comp- comparison point of uh, Superoku versus uh, Bond's performances, like their inaugural uh, debuts, mm-hmm. um, like I'm going to try and demonstrate this via webcam. So I apologize <laughs> to people who might be listening. To- I apologize to people listening to this, like you know, uh, on podcast form. Imagine, like you know, I'm posing for an e-fit or like you know, a lineup on a police stage. Uh, hopefully that doesn't actually happen. But like a lot of the way that Bond's um, like first performance is filmed is that he is dead on like that yep there is no like looking in the left there's no no cuts right Uh, hardly any cuts there 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 are there are some a few and those actually tie into the moments i mentioned where we see like it come through well when he starts uh, to potentially yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i was just gonna say like when when some dynamism starts to come into his performance uh then we get we get some cuts but because you know I, i feel like that is also part of the visual language that helps you understand like He's bombing because I almost saw you said he's bonding. Then I'm like, no, <laughs> bonding. No, no, we don't. Uh, it's like, no, no. <laughs> it's like, did you just dab? Did you just fucking I dab? I almost dabbed. It was not quite a real dab. Um, dab you. God damn it. Uh, so <laughs> you because he doesn't change tone. Like the that contrast to Sukuroku you're talking about is so cool because like as he changes tones and characters like these you get cuts to different angles but we stay dead center with bond with no cuts and he doesn't because he doesn't change tone those two things like support each other to like communicate to you both orally and visually like he's just giving a very dry monotone uh mm-hmm. rakugo performance here ooh yeah Sorry. I mean, I didn't mean to steal that's your the thing. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's fine. Like, I mean, there are like many films out there where it's pointed out that the camera work is terrible. Uh, I won't name any offhand shots of boys step by listing them, but the point is, like, you know, they are bad because they are not being used with artistic intent to be bad. Like, there are times in, in which you know having a very flat shot that holds for a long time makes a point, you know, and, and it, as it does here, like you know, where it shows that like Bond is clearly not like as the cuts in Sukuroku's um, performance show, like, really marking out which character he's switching between. You know, like, he, yep. like when Sukuroku comes on, there's a lot of cuts that show, like, that they often seem like done almost kind of shot-reverse shot kind of mm-hmm. thing, uh, where we cut from facing left, face right, and then you immediately recognize through the meaning of these, cu- of these cuts with the actual dialogue that he's switching characters, even though he's not mentioning names. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in Bond's first performance... That that is much much muddier. Uh, it's not clear when he is switching because he feels like he's reading like 
cue cards. Like, he's almost like, you know, um, I, how do I say? It's like, he comes across almost a little bit like he would be, you know, one of those, like, you know, uh, Alexa voices. Unfortunately, he's got that kind of delivery of it, which I don't mean to be, like, mean to him, like, unnecessarily, but that's the kind well, of thing that's going on. He's mean the to other, other people the, later, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. The the other thing that I'll mention, by the way, um, is that I want to talk about sound as well. And this almost feels like cheating in a way on the show's part, but it still works, so I'm going to count it. But when we get to the end, like nearing the end of Bond's performance, there's this noise that starts creeping in like that. And his voice in turn gets lower and lower in volume, fades away. It, it is possibly the most weaponized form of making someone feel bored that I have ever experienced in any media. Like, it's incredible. Uh, it really sells like that this thing is just flaming out. It made me feel it's, claustrophobic. Like It dread. really did. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. man, like uh, and then and then Sukuroku's though, like, has this bombastic, like, you know, music track that goes with it when his starts like coming to its crescendo. Yeah. Duel of um, Fate starts playing. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Now's not the time to the use worst. the cane for that. Uh, That'd be awkward if you had a cane lightsaber that you turned on by accident and just fell through the floor. I'm the thief. I didn't steal anything. We <laughs> just would not go together. Man, that was a good story, by the way. I actually legitimately enjoyed that one mm-hmm. where the thief is so annoyed about the fact that he's being <laughs> outconned by the person who actually lives there that he has to go, hey, hold up. Hold the fucking phone here. This man's a liar. And oh, shit. I, uh, oh, bye. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that's legitimately funny. Like that's that's a, that's a good structured story that I appreciate. But then to take it further with the visuals. Okay, so I talked about camera cutting here. Like, there's obviously the very quick, quick, you know, snappy cuts for like Sukuroku's performance. Bonds is like you know a mostly stack shot, mm-hmm. like almost like you're filming like I don't know, like it's filmed like a CCTV footage. Just like, <laughs> yeah, hostage video. <laughs> Help! I'm trapped in a Rakugo performance. I can't get out of. Yeah, that's that was the audience's hostage video, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh dear. Yes. At least they were nice enough to clap for him in the end. Um, but mm-hmm. the other thing I want to mention as well is when the show actually then starts doing what only could be done in an anime, which is bring in some actual animation that wouldn't be possible in live action. Uh, and this is specifically Bond's first performance um, when in the show that is when we see uh, him doing the scene, you know, the discussion of like the eggnog and the camp and all that, uh, and also the bear, uh, the one in which uh, Yukiro like falls asleep in. Mm-hmm. When he starts making sound effects for things, we actually see them like visually depicted, mm-hmm. like the bullets, the bullet ricocheted off the rock, and then cut to a picture of a rock. Yeah. It's in, the thing is, though, what I really like about this visually is it's completely in darkness. All of these images that he he like you know is evoking mm-hmm. through his words and performance, and then they come out into the light, and it almost feels like a really amazing metaphor for this was always there and I as the artist as the performer I'm bringing them out for you to see mm. it's mm-hmm. stunning and it really so like this is how you can tell he's gone to the next level and how also there's already like you know marked differences between the characters in their skills like Sukuroku you think is good but he didn't do that in fact if I recall correctly he did kind of saw do that like or was that um I'm trying to remember, was it Sukuroku or was it um, uh, Yotaro who did that where they did the fishing thing? 
Oh man, I, I'm just, I can't remember some of the specific well, there's, stories. There's, there's another instance where he throws like the fan, and then we see like this hook fall into the water. Oh right, that Who might be Yotaro. Gosh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think Yotaro was the one who told the story about the thief. Is that right? Because uh, because he used to be himself, uh, you know, uh, a thief and involved with a, I guess a yakuza, uh, an anaki boss man. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember who told the fishing story. If anyone in chat knows, please please drop it in because I I can't recall. Yeah. But, but but I remember that part. Rick, 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 regardless of who, though, the point is clear. Like yeah. you know, the show is already established within its own uh, cinematography that there are levels of performance like that. Okay, we have Bonds, which is plain and flat. You know, it is the uh, it is the cherry coke that has been left open oh, for a couple of days and has no fizz so left. So bad. <laughs> I know that I know I know that's cruel of me to say, mm-hmm. but it's true. Uh, and then we have Sukurokus, where yes, we have more cuts, we have bombastic <laughs> music, but we don't have evocative images. But then we have Master Bond, like you know Yakuno's performance, and his does have that. So you can see this hierarchy, mm. you see this grading, this grading scale of skill, yeah, and like. I say this sometimes about some of the shows that we cover. I think I may very well have said this about Aizoken, actually. Um, this is a show that you could teach a class with, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You could absolutely say to them, right, I want you to dissect these uh, Rakugo scenes, but don't do a podcast about it because people have already done it. <laughs> and and tell me like what it's trying to communicate for you through the language of film. Um I was phenomenally impressed with this. And I think that it is very smart of the creators to do this because, like, it could be seen as an extravagance because surely Rakugo should live on die of its own, like, you know, without these accentuations of, like, camera work. Because you obviously don't get that if you're going to be sitting there in a real theater, are you? Exactly. You know, you're not going to. Exactly. This yeah. is the point I actually like, was going to bring this up, too, that, like, sometimes I don't know if it's superior to be an audience member or or to watch like the a television video production of a live performance because sometimes the cinematography can and, and shot selection can really make a performance come alive in a way that you might not get to see from you know Rosette. Mm. But at the same time, there's a, certainly a power to live performance. Oh, absolutely true. See. The same, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe, maybe I think the best thing to say about that would be that they're complementary to each other. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's that's the best thing, guys. But yeah, uh, cannot state enough how like this like the show's reputation has been known to me. I was not aware about how well that these scenes were done. Like I knew they were good, but I didn't think they were this good. This is something that you. This is a gold standard in my opinion. Like you know, along with Izoken, which I don't bring up lightly. Like you know, this like uses animation to make like you know points about like how performances go and such like, and you can teach people with it. Like, when you get to the point where it's both delirious and insane, but also, like, you know, very educational, in my opinion, like, where you feel enriched by it, like, that to me is something special. Yeah. 100%. I'm with you. Um, Well, if we're on the Rakugo performances, I was going to save this point for last, but you know what? I'll I'll bring it out now because... Oh, drop, drop it. Like, the, most of the points I I sort of have, though, and, and what this viewing got me thinking about was sort of tangential to the show itself and sort of things that it made me think about in modern life in our present year of 2020 um so uh, let me just a, a thing that i think maybe is like 
underappreciated or just sort of not thought about or maybe taken for granted, right, of these live performances is their physicality. You know, we'll mm. think of, of Rakugo when we think of the words, we think of the stories, we think of the images conjured up in our mind's eye. But all this is happening because a real person is physically on that stage, sweating mm. it out, moving. We get all these cool shots that I did not even process the first time, like the footwork of... Yes, because he's sneaking, like, through... Like, he's trying to show it off, like, he's sneaking through the house. Mm -hmm. It's amazing stuff. And even the really good performers, like, that that have well-received Rakugo, by the end of their session, they're so sweaty because they're putting their body into it. Um, They're really with their whole being like mental emotional and physical like they're there in that moment and they're pushing that story to you communicating it with with their whole body and honestly what this really sort of made me think about actually (laughs) was i feel like that you could through thinking about rakugo as an art form incarnate like physically instantiated um actually learn to better appreciate wrestling professional wrestling or as japan says puro resu right um because i mean it's you know why am i talking about wrestling like gaudy carny sleazy shit right compared to like (laughs) high art uh that is rockago like you know culture um i i'm not really one to differentiate between high and low art so much like i think it used to years ago but like you know i don't know maybe analogous example something like graffiti do you see a lot of shitty graffiti of course you do in the same way that you see a lot of garbage wrestling or garbage aspects poorly performed all, all i'll say about all i'll say about graffiti is kids if you're listening at home uh, that's not what a dick looks like <laughs> um but like you also see some incredible graffiti or incredible you know i don't know oh, yeah. pop music album or incredible really gripping professional wrestling performances and i i do think it is a performance art and seeing this physicality on display by the Rakugo performers in this show just made me think like, you know, what what wrestlers are chiefly is like storytellers and they're using their bodies to tell stories. Mm. First and foremost, um, they're simulated combat and of course is about like wins and losses, but in, in, only in the context of the story. Um, it's getting you emotionally invested in characters and more than that, like the TV audience's investment it's getting getting that live crowd, getting that audience to live and die by what's happening, getting them to gasp, getting them to scream and cry and laugh. Like all that is sort of wrapped up in in pro wrestling and it's what it's going for. And the you know, I was talking earlier about like the importance of the live audience. Imagine one of these Rakugo performances to an empty building. Ugh, that would be bizarre and echoey and 
weird and just lacking in the sort of soul that you get from these performances and well by merit of how live performance works you have to have some like you know capacity for reacting to an audience but if they're all dare i say sat at home watching on twitch.tv uh how do you know yes how do you how do you know how do you oh oh, you know blue like blue linen emotes in chat like is that how you know (laughs) (laughs) well like especially yeah like rakugo is like you're you're playing off of the energy you get from the crowd or like live music like Mm -hmm. the crowd is energizing you as opposed to playing your energy yeah as opposed to your energy and that shit is real man as opposed to like playing to an empty room like maybe you could replicate the same kind of performance but i don't know it might be like more difficult or just a different way of doing it and this is what is happening right now in uh, Puro Resu uh, and American wrestling. Um, American wrestling is still stuck doing stuff to empty arenas, which is like just awful. Like it just the magic of the live crowd that, that they add to the spectacle, them being gone, like it just really reinforces to me that wrestling, wrestling is not a TV show. It's a performance art that is captured through the camera, and you get to watch it on television. Um, it's, it's panto. It's like Pantomime. it's like sports, right? I mean, like basketball, football. Like we all experience them as TV shows, but like they are they are sport. They are f- these physical things, and the and and. But I guess the comparison is not exactly quite right because you could have just as competitive a basketball game with no people probably as you could, but I don't know The live crowd adds a lot. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, and, and right now the situation in Japan is such that like they can have some fans, but only a certain amount. Um, like I think that they can fill venues to one third capacity up to 5,000 people, but no more than 5,000. And everyone of course is masked and no one can scream. All they can do is clap. And even that, like, even having those fans, like, it adds something, but, like, it's it's sort of neutered in a way because they can't yell. All they can do is is clap. They can't boo or cheer or, or laugh or cry out or, you know, yell the names of their guys. It's just, I don't know, thinking about, like, this, so I'm watching a lot of this lately, and it has really informed how I've been thinking about the Rakugo performances as I watched this show and how, like, I mean, part of the reason we tell Sukeroku's performance is so good is, of course, we can feel the energy ourselves and we can see him expressing the story uh, in, in the way that he does. But, like, we also see, like, the crowd reacting to it. And I think that is just mm. as important, right, as, like, us seeing yeah. the audience reaction, seeing the kid count, you know, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, no, have mercy, please. Two to baby. <laughs> um, Sorry. <yeah. laughs> like, uh, and, and all this just to say that um, this show is great, and I think it uh, it shows how vital that you know the audiences in a in a performance art um mm-hmm. and it's it's so like everything about those rock and go performances like there's so much you can mine there i'm just so happy again like i said before that we get them 
from beginning to end. Like we get a real Rakugo performance, just animated. Hell yeah, hell yeah. All right, um, my next talking point is kind of an amalgamation of like several. Um, well, basically, um, what I think this show is trying to also say is it's not strictly speaking i would argue um about like rakugo is incredible and everyone should be into it like you know um it's not trying to like push the art on people shall we say it could very easily be a propaganda piece for that kind of thing and i don't mean propaganda as in like you know being made by the third reich i'm talking like you know regular like advertising kind of, you know propaganda is a broad term basically yeah. um but what I absolutely think it is trying to be a message for is about the continuity uh, of experiences hmm. uh, and memories. Because I think there's a... I think there's a parallel here to be made between the idea of passing down stories from Rakugo from generation to generation to passing down, like, memories and good... and, you know, experiences that we have with people we're fond of to another generation in turn that is the entire framework of the show that is why bon is doing that uh partly to you know give uh Konatsu, like you know closure with her father or at least what he hopes will be closure maybe she will turn it down uh, but also to give yosuro like you know a greater understanding of like the trials involved with becoming a rakugo expert but these two things are interlinked you know here is the story i'm going to pass down from like this is why seventh and eighth generation is so key as a term here is the story i'm going to pass down uh, but here is also my story that I'm going to pass down as well. Um, so I think the show makes a very strong argument um, so far for the continuity of, um, you know, hmm. like experiences being passed down here. And I think that's really, really interesting, really neat. Like it doesn't argue necessarily for Rako as an art form, but it does argue like that people should not be left like Kanatsu or indeed Bon as a younger child, uh, you know, are where they don't have like the proper parental relationship where they are given like the necessary care and attention um, to grow mature on their own. Now, granted the circumstances are different. Whereas Yakumo, like uh, Bon, like, you know, he was literally like carted off by his parents. Whereas Kanatsu, uh, her loss was more, um, you know, that it just happened. Like we don't have the specifics yet. We're going to find out, but it's, it was more of a case of like, not that her father didn't love her, but that he was taken from her. But end result is still the same though. So I find this parallel really, really interesting. And I think that's why they've chosen Rack. Because you could argue, like, when making this show, when writing that manga, why Rakugo? It's the same, like, we make the. You said about sports anime. It's the same question with that. Why this particular sport? Because you have either two ways of doing it. It either becomes a dedicated, like, technically, mm -hmm. like, you know, rich insight into the sport itself. Uh, or it is, like, you know, using it as a framework to hang characters and drama and experiences and story arcs on. Uh, Suritama, which I've been watching recently, uh, fits both of those criteria because it's very proficient at talking about fishing uh, terminology and how to fish, but it is also very much the story of those four boys in it. Um, and in this case, Rakugo, like, I think what I also appreciate about it is his accessibility Doku. because what is that I, you know... Doku. Oh, I love that show so much. It's a weird show about aliens that rules <laughs> and fishing oh, and anxiety I'm, it's coming off crunchy roll today completely out of the blue God, i'm so happy that i have that blu-ray so happy i need to get that blu-ray it's it looks great i also need great. to punch whoever this i also need to punch someone because that makes me mad that they decide oh you know what we're gonna give you 20 
Well, I mean, that's two instances of my life this week where I've been given 24 hours notice that something I like is going to get fucking oh. ruined. Thanks a bunch, world. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, digressions aside, I apologize. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I think, like, in this case, like, I find the show accessible, like, because obviously it details some elements of Racco, and I think it has, like, at least an expectation in the audience that you can intuit certain things, like the fact that Kanatsu doesn't become a Racco master herself because of the gender role in that. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, um, it uses Rakugo to tell more, in itself, more as a framework to tell the story of these characters and their lives, um, which I think is actually very true to the spirit of Rakugo as presented here because it is about passing down experiences, you know, it's not necessarily about the art itself so much, even though there are very strict ways of doing it, but more it's about, here's this story that's been told orally for generations, keep it going. Yeah, yeah. And here's here's my story, my life, and I'm passing it on to you, people I care about. Uh, that's that's why that's why Bond made very specific points to uh, Yosuro, which is you cannot die before me. Right. Kind of half a, a little bit of jesting in that, I think. Like, and this is again also shows like how different his older persona is to his younger one, because it seems like he's making a little riff, not maliciously, like, but maybe even a reference to what happened to Sukuroku. Yeah. Um. But on in turn, there is a genuine truth there, which is that, like, if I, someone is to take over my position as a master of Rakugo, it, obviously it, they have to be ready for it. Mm. It can't just happen because I pass away. You need to be up to the task for it. Um, but in turn, like you know, it's clear from what's happened to Kanatsu that even though it's not about her, like you know, becoming a Rakugo master, that her father passing away before, like you know, before his time, um is in of itself a tragedy. So I like how that they intertwine this parallel of passing on like Rakugo as an art form and also the stories with also passing on the memories and experiences and having a continuity like of long-lived like, you know, relationships as long as they can go, which aren't ended prematurely. I think that's really fucking neat. It is. It is so cool. Like, I mean, Rakugo is like just this like embodied sort of rule-based kind of rigorous method of doing doing this thing that human beings i think are wired to to love like it's one of the reasons it's so special like it reflects this tendency like we all love i think stories and like hearing them passed down to us um and whether or not we think about like how that kind of connects us to like the previous generations of people that have come up with them themselves and heard them and passed them down and everything like i don't know yeah i think that that makes it really really special and is one of the reasons that like one of the many reasons that kind of grabs hold of people is because uh there is that parallel right of of uh both and both of those things are about people uh people loving stories and some of us also loving sharing our stories with other people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, right. At the moment, I don't, I, I mean, we've actually not discussed yet, I suppose, the gender role element of that, but I I think that a part of that might be worth holding off until later episodes. Um, the ne- the so next I'm set, currently... I think the next set is going to like bring a power punch of, of those those things to talk about yeah so 
I'm currently pretty much done on all my talking points for the moment. Do you have anything else you want to add, Doc? <clears throat> Just, I really liked this scene. Um, well, there's, I think, a couple different scenes this happens in when Tsukiroku tells Kiku, hey, man, like, don't worry about whether Rakugo uh, will die in our in our lifetime. I know that now people are focused on war. People are very serious. Times are tough. Times are lean. Um, but whenever people's bellies are full, whenever peace returns, they'll come back to the theater because they'll have missed us. And we have to yeah. be ready when they all come back. We have to up our game and be ready to take well, the yeah, mantle. Yeah, that's, that's an argument... That's an argument in itself the continuity I was referring to. Uh, and even then keeping the hope alive in turn that uh, Sukuroku mm-hmm. and um, the seventh generation master would return safely. You know, the wife was ready to give up. Like, she was like, no, he's got to be dead. But like, no, we keep going. Uh, we keep going in the belief that we can keep, you know, these people alive in our hearts. We don't abandon them until, you know, we don't believe that they've gone until we know absolutely that they have gone, you know, that kind of thing. And even then, we still have our memories of them. Totally. And on a like on a sort of less eloquent note than what you were just saying, <laughs> uh, I think this is why I like don't get mad at people too much during during our current pandemic who really really fucking miss sport uh, or really miss uh, live music or really miss um, I don't know other kinds of live performance now does like i don't condone anyone being an asshat and flagrantly putting other people in danger or oh don't don't get me harassing people or not following the public health rules or anything like that i i went for beer today a local petrol station and I'm sorry to have to digress this, but it may be so fucking bad. I have to get it off my system. Uh, where you have people coming in, filling up their cars, and there is a you know a card reader at the pump for you to pay at the pump. So why the fuck, you limp dick bellend, are you coming into the fucking petrol station with no mask on? Bah. Take the card, put the card to the fucking reader. <laughs> it is that Just simple. Just do that. You pricks. <laughs> oh my god. Absolute idiots honestly anyway yeah. uh but well rant aside over with okay um i but appreciate actually, um, if i may just add i appreciate what you i, I, I want to just add, i, I want to add to your point though what you're speaking of a doc is a common like sense of of being personal like be having people in the proximity to you you know like that kind of thing and that's why that has that like you know unreplicatable magic to it that you know, you might not know the person two rows over from you, but if they're enjoying the experience mm-hmm. as much as you are, you can still sense that from there's that kind of kinship. It's it's almost like a like a sacred ritual, right? I mean, not certainly by name, but I think from beginning to see, it's how a lot of people feel about going to baseball games, going to concerts, going to fairs, going to wrestling. Um like it's it's a giant hole in people and like i you know the reason i bring it up is is because like you know i know this is not everyone but there are you know people of course on the social medias that's just like ah like 
We're just trying to live, and all you can think about is sports ball, you dumb motherfuckers. I'm like, well, listen, yeah. <laughs> they're like, like a fair fair point, right? There are priorities that are above that, but also these kinds of like rituals, these kinds of things that we get together to watch uh, or get together to participate in. Um, it's like they are not living, but they are what makes living fun a lot of the time. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. A hundred percent, I agree. Um, and I've got, I've got nothing to add to that. And so I just thought of this when, you know, Sukiroku is like, look, um, now's not the time uh, for Rakugo, but don't worry. It'll be back once things have calmed down and... You'll have that pent up demand, yeah, uh, which is oh like the same. Kind now, of thing. now that now that you now that you've said that, that feeling is washing over me. And uh, just to give context for people listening who may be catching this later or may not be aware, uh, where I currently live in the United Kingdom, uh, they've tied up lockdown again, so I can no longer, unfortunately, have people around. Uh, although it turns out, like this, this one specific group of people I can have around as part of some social bullet thing. I'm not boy stuff the specific, so that's a silver lining but basically we are sliding back weirdly uh, not in no small weirdly enough you can go places though right oh yeah but, well but this is someone said on twitter like oh you know what like you know we're basically not allowed to go anywhere doesn't have a card reader yeah wow but okay. the point the, the 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 point being basically like we are sliding back unfortunately and again in no small part due to people like you know uh, petrol pete who decided that <laughs> using the pay at the pump facility was beneath him petrol nice pete dickhead. <laughs> yeah um so believe me like you know i feel that kind of like uh, i mean i found the pandemic crushingly lonely at times i will be quite frank um but i think that that point you bring up from the show like uh, is very very true like there will become a time when we can do it again. Uh, and by God, are we going to fucking do it? Uh, and while I cannot wait for it, like I will, and I relish the day that it will happen. Yeah, art, just common experience and shared rituals and art live. Like, that's just important to people. Like, it's meaningful. And I just really enjoyed that it is, I think, given a lot of reverence in this space uh in this show right um and because i i feel this way so yes um yeah and i'm you know really uh annoyed that we didn't get more uh miyokichi these episodes but next time hey, next time kanatsu's kanatsu's good for me like, she you know, rules I, but i'm telling like, you she's you're gonna fall for miyokichi i predict <laughs> She's uh, pretty I'm incredible. More than, I'm more. I'm more than likely will. But for the moment, like Kanatsu, call me. She's a confident, like classy woman. She rules. That's that takes a lot of boxes for me. All right. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Doc? I do not. Uh, you know, uh, we can I. ramble I about it. But yeah, I think I think I hit all the major things I wanted to hit, which is probably yeah. not an, like some people like. There's so many. There, there's so many like angles on the show. So much uh, stuff to explore. I mean, we didn't we didn't scratch the surface or hit on. I think a lot of the things that might have been what other people would see really quickly and gravitate to, but but this was us and our our gut response to it. And I'm I'm happy with how we did. And you know, if there's things that people want us to talk about, of course, 
get in the old Discord, ask us the questions, get on the YouTubes, leave us comments when this video goes a public. Uh, tweet Send us. Send carrier pigeons over with little notes attached to legs. Right, of course. Um, put it in yeah. the Tesla tube. <laughs> and, uh, oh wow! I, I would I would love having that here, where like you know, just have the tubes, this little vacuum tube. I know, and then just like this little. <laughs> and we've received great. a new correspondence um, in the middle of the show. <laughs> that would be great. And it and it breaks and shoots down, hits and shoots down, hits me in the head. No. That would be embarrassing. Um, right. Well, I guess that concludes that then. So we'll give some closing thoughts here. Um, I'm just going to basically repeat one specific thing that I've said above over everything else which is when i find shows like that have a reputation to them like this one does uh i always have a healthy reasoned amount of skepticism i mean attack on titan is legendary and you know what my opinions are on that so i'll not bore you step with those <laughs> uh but make no mistake like from the first three episodes alone uh showa gamrako rako shinjo absolutely it earns its reputation and then some I have been mightily impressed by this. It is, to me, a prestige piece in the vein of 91 Days. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Love that show. Love it. Yeah. It, also um, a 2016 it, show. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It reminds me of that where, in theory, one could take this to a live action. Like, it feels like it's, it is anime, but it is not like like how should we say like filled with anime tropes granted there are some scenes like of Yotaro having shark teeth for a moment <laughs> uh, so there are there are bits here and there but make no mistake like it uses animation to its advantage with with how it portrays the characters um it is a phenomenal work thus far and i cannot wait to cover more Damn. of it uh, live on the pod big same i'm really excited so happy you guys voted for this Do you have any other closing thoughts to add, Doc? I mean, God, I uh, <clears throat> I loved this. I mean, I loved it. It's a modern classic. It's incredible. Um, very, very excited to cover the rest of it and just keep diving into these fascinating characters and this great setting and the really kind of layered storytelling. Bring it. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for to get to three weeks from now. <laughs> Damn fucking right. Well, um, on that note, ladies, gentlemen, enemies, we'll wrap up now. Uh, thank you very much for listening, whether you've been doing so live with us here on air or if you're catching this on the pod later, be it if you're a patron or if you're catching it when it eventually goes free to air. Um, do keep the questions coming. Do keep your support coming. Like, it's great doing this. Um, and thank you all very much for spending your time with us as you have done. Like, it's a lot to ask, but from the bottom of my heart, thank you that you're doing it. Um, I'll again plug our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Rory Desho. To access this show as it airs, uh, you need to get on the $5 tier, uh, the highest one, the Viking experience. You know, be a lad, be an ask a lad, you know what I mean? Uh, Get yourself on that and you get all of the privileges and benefits of getting on our our podcast Patreon. You get Discord access, you get group watch access, you get questions access, you get everything, the whole package, you know. Uh, but yeah, patreon.com forward slash Roy Desh, so that'll explain everything. Um, and otherwise, if you're still wanting to support us but not fiscally, that's fine. Uh, just drop us a like, you know, smash all the various social media buttons, ring that bell, smash that, you know, all that good stuff. Five snake um, review we're on a- iTunes, slash Apple Podcasts, <laughs> whatever it is now. Nice. Uh, and 
on top of that, like you know, uh, we're always open to comment, uh, constructive feedback, and comments through our Twitter at Warrior Show. Uh, you can find me at Shaden Ten Ten. You can find uh, the Subtle Doctor at the Subtle Doctor because he got onto his Twitter handle early, unlike me, bastard. Um, and finally, I'll leave off by saying that um, we are still in shitty times. Let's be fair here. Uh, things have gone a little shittier this week when my neck of the woods. Um, there's no denying that. But I think Doc's point uh, about how, you know, in this show we see like this thing has been taken away from us, but it, it will be back and there will be demand for it. Um, that's the lesson. Uh, that's the feeling I want to end this on, I think, that because it's so relevant for our current times that, hey, you know what? Uh, we will go back to a sense of normality eventually. Uh, we will see each other again. We just need to do our bit in, you know, look, you know, making that happen. Uh, which means, unless you have a reasonable excuse, wear a mask. There are no excuses. Uh, you know, stay if possible apart from each other. Sanitize all that extra good shit. Uh, Wash some hands. Take care of yourselves, and yeah, take care of yourselves and your fellow man. That's all I'm going to ask. Uh, other than that, uh, from me and Doc here at Warrior Desho, uh, this has been the inaugural episode of Desho the Third. Uh, you know. Stealing your money to make, you know, uh, good points with, if you want to call it that, because it's a loop on reference, of course. Uh, have a fantastic evening and a fantastic weekend, wherever you may be in the world. Stay safe, uh, stay healthy, look after yourself and your loved ones. And uh, last but not least, if I remember it, uh, embrace your everyone to the ends of the universe. Good night. Bring back the brothers.